There's a fire on the mountain burning out of control. The skies set ablaze with orange, red, and gold. The temperature's rising and the wind is blowing hot. We gotta turn this ship around before we run aground. We gotta turn this ship around before we run aground. Welcome to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLAM and FM, streaming live over the internet, archived at nhtalkradio.com for your listening pleasure and brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches, call 224-9111. I'm joined today by Chris Ryan. And we're going to do a little bit of talking about New Hampshire primary results this week. But before we get there, there was a tweet this week as Hurricane Florence bore down on the Carolinas. Our president, the long-suffering President Donald Trump, number 45, the carrot top cantaloupe himself, tweeted that there weren't 3,000 deaths in Puerto Rico, and basically that if anybody died, it was the Democrats' fault. There's nothing to say about that, folks, except he's not connected to reality. Our thoughts and prayers are with the folks who are in the path of Hurricane Florence, and we can only hope that the FEMA response is going to be better onshore here in the United States mainland than it was for all those poor people in Puerto Rico, many of whom are still struggling without uh, basic services and living under blue tarps. But meanwhile, in politics, and perhaps as a response to the crazy show in the White House, in the New Hampshire primary, it looks like there was a record number of Democrats uh, voting. And it looked like that the total number of Democrats voting in New Hampshire in this primary far outpaced the total number of Republican voters. And nationally, it looks like that the kinds of numbers we're seeing for Democratic turnout in primaries are the presage, perhaps, of another blue wave, the likes of which haven't been seen in 2006. It's something I benefited from as a candidate. Uh, My timing was good in 2006. It was as good in 2006 on that wave as it was bad in 2010 on that wave. So wave elections often uh, locally come in response to what's happening nationally, and it looks like Democrats really are energized by the folly that is Donald Trump. Yeah, I think that's the big takeaway from uh, the state primaries here in New Hampshire. Even as there was not a tremendous amount of mainstream coverage or knowledge or interest of um, particularly the gubernatorial race between Molly Kelly and Steve Marchand, the record turnout is very significant. Uh, over 121,000 individuals voted in the uh, the primary for um, uh, the Democratic gubernatorial contest. That compared with you combine the first and second congressional districts for Republicans and just under 92,000 individuals voted there. So a 30,000 vote differential. Um, I wouldn't read everything into that. I do think it's a indicator that there's excitement on the Democratic side. Um, but I, again, it's it's congressional races versus a governor's race and so forth. But I, I would say that it's it's significant and it adds to 
you know, what we believe to be true in political science circles, and that is that there's going to be a significant disparity between the base turnout of Democrats and Republicans here in New Hampshire. The race is going to be decided by independents being motivated to come out to vote and support certain candidates. Uh, Chris Sununu's ability to be reelected lies at the feet of independents here in New Hampshire. And if Eddie Edwards and Steve Negron are going to carry off upsets in the first and second congressional district, same thing. Um, but it's going to be a difficult path for them to the center, uh, given where they were in the primary, given the lack of funding, given, I think, the lack of support they're going to get from um, D.C. Uh, funding sources. So uh, it's going to be a heavy lift for Eddie Edwards and Steve Negron. I do think that both of those races, at least at the at face value to start off, are going to be high-level uh, races where the candidates are vowing to engage on discourse, on, on, with high discourse and, um, and decency on issues and policy. So that's that would good. be a refreshing It would be good. Change. Annie Custer sat here with me um, uh, on Wednesday and said the uh, said exactly that. I expected her to just flood Negron with a, a barrage of negative ads, and and uh, she's not going to do that. She wants to have a civil conversation with him about the issues. And both uh, Eddie Edwards and um, Chris Pappas are, in my view, high integrity folks. Um, so I expect them to do the same thing. So uh, I think that that's that's a good thing. And the governor's race, I think there's the potential for. With the amount of money that's going to be poured into that and with the personalities involved, I have a feeling that's going to get kind of testy. Well, you know, uh, Governor uh, Chris Nunu's response to Molly Kelly's win uh, was that he said, well, she's just going to peddle all that Democratic far left socialist stuff. Um, I mean, you know, it, it may be necessary for him to get over his easy his easy name calling uh, because uh, frankly democrats are anything but uh, especially new hampshire democrats anything but far left socialist stuff and in fact uh, some perceived molly kelly's uh, significant win over steve marchand as a kind of a uh, a more centrist candidate at least in style and tone um beating the anti-establishment uh um, spark plug, um, but well, nobody. Let's, nobody I mean, Molly, let's be honest. I mean, Molly Kelly is not in the mainstream in regards to policy, in my view, here in New Hampshire. Whether it's on on guns, whether it's on you know New Hampshire being a sanctuary state uh, for illegal um, immigrants. I mean, there's a lot of and wanting to roll back the um, uh, the business tax cuts. I mean, there's. Whenever- I think I think you've got I think you've you're, you've got the pulse of New Hampshire completely wrong. I think that uh, Molly Kelly, who has not, by the way, um, been specific about uh, what she wants to do for reasonable measures to for gun safety, um, uh, has is is in the mainstream of New Hampshire because I think the mainstream of New Hampshire, not the vocal uh, Second Amendment minority, but the mainstream of New Hampshire agrees on the gun issue with reasonable measures for gun safety, such as bump stocks and things of that nature. But not oh, I think look, most most a lot I've, of Democrats uh, have are gun owners and don't want to see any this changes. Isn't in a, wait to a second, policy. this isn't a question about gun ownership. Let's talk about gun safety. Uh, if you're talking about uh, closing the gun show loophole, if you're talking about bump stocks, if you're talking about um, making sure that people 
people who shouldn't have guns don't have guns. And even if you're talking about um, assault, military assault weapons, I think uh, we're seeing a big shift. Uh, we've seen a big shift. But let's not get caught up in the specifics. One more thing on that. <laughs> the statistics and, and polling has shown uh, in northeast states like Vermont, where there was a big pushback on Phil Scott, um, at Maine, New Hampshire, um, they think that the gun laws that are currently, and I'm, I'm actually, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not on one side of this issue or the other per se, but the, for argument's sake, but, um, they have shown that the individuals believe that the gun laws that as they exist here in New Hampshire are fine. And that is, and that is, that's what the data has shown over and over again. It is wrong to say that Molly Kelly is not in the mainstream of New Hampshire. The mainstream of New Hampshire. Uh, are is, you the mainstream of New Hampshire? I don't, I, I'm going to let other people. I'll let <laughs> okay. other people yeah, talk I, about whether or not I'm the mainstream or, or not. But I I believe that most of New Hampshire cares about decent education, health care, uh, jobs, the economy. They're much more focused on that than they are the hot button issues. And on those issues, uh, if you're uh, trying to solve a school funding crisis and you give tax cuts that benefit mostly giant out-of-state corporations, uh, you're not in the mainstream in New Hampshire. The mainstream in New Hampshire wants some, something done about the education system, about the costs of college. They want to see... Uh, young people staying here they want to see results sure but once and you once you bring taxes back once you raise taxes after they've been lowered that is not where new hampshire is when when that, the argument becomes framed as such that you're going to raise taxes on businesses new hampshire new hampshire voters are not for that irrespective of all of this molly kelly has an uphill battle against chris sununu in my recent long-term memory only craig benson uh, was a one-term governor. It is very unlikely to see uh, Chris Sununu uh, being chucked uh, from, from office by Molly Kelly. Um, she's got she's got an uphill battle. But what surprised me was the margin uh, between Mar- Molly Kelly and Steve Marchand. Uh, I did not foresee a two to one two to one mar- uh, margin. Marchand had been working this race for a long time um, all over the state. Um, and appeared to have a lot more energy going into the race. And I also didn't foresee a two-to-one margin over in the first CD with the Chris pappas Morris sullivan result. Um, I think in that race, um, I think her consultant was Joe Trippi. And I'm betting that the mailers they sent out at the end of that race, which went negative on Chris Pappas, or at least certainly were perceived as negative on Chris Pappas, really hurt her. Um, and I'm I, without any inside knowledge, but knowing a little bit about how the game is played, I'm betting that what happened was Joe Trippi uh, and Mission Control, the mail people who send out the mail but are also issue people, said to her, the polling is, doesn't look good. Uh, you, you've you made some progress, but Chris Pappas is still ahead. Uh, our internal polls show you've got a problem. You have two choices. Either do what you do and certain lose, certainly lose, or take a chance. Uh, we'll put out a mailer that uh, tries to undercut his favorability and see what we can do. The risk is going to be if people don't like the mailer and it's perceived as negative, uh, it could hurt you, uh, but it might help you. We can't tell. That's the risk. Are you going to take it? She took it, and I think it really hurt her momentum uh, going into the race, which 
um, was pretty good given all uh, the the tremendous amount of money she'd raised right. and the ads she was showing. And Molly Kelly, uh, Morris Sullivan's fate was sealed before the primary started. Um, you know, you cannot uh, you cannot reek of um, an individual who has shopped for a seat and landed in New Hampshire. Um, her you campaign mean, did nothing you mean to. New Hampshire isn't for sale. New Hampshire, uh, still, New Hampshire is not for sale. New Hampshire still isn't for sale. Well, that's really good news. That means uh, that 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 something fundamental hasn't changed. Right, and I I think she needed to take up root, strong roots here in New Hampshire. You live here for four or five years before at least four you know, running or five for months. For, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're running for office. So that result did not really surprise me in the uh, the first congressional district. I thought Chris Pappas was going to win. He was going to win by uh, a lot. Um, 44% is a significant number in 11-candidate field. The governor's race did surprise me. I thought that the um, the energy seemed to be with uh, with Steve Marchand. A lot of uh, insiders uh, who know politics thought that Steve Marchand was going to win by a little margin. I was included uh, in that. Um, and, you know, we saw, though, the power, uh, in my view, of Gene Shaheen and uh, Maggie Hassan in those two races. Those two folks, um, you know, mean a lot when they say that they're going to support a uh, an individual because they are both very popular, and particularly, you know, Gene Shaheen is an historic figure in the state. Well, that's it about the primary from here. We're going to be talking about the general election. Chris uh, Ryan and I are going to have some interesting on-air debates about what the mainstream of New Hampshire is all about. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM, streamed live over the Internet, archived at nhtalkradio.com. Visit there for your binge-listening pleasure. We're brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Now, folks, don't go away. My next guest... Mary Fagan and I will be talking about a hot new band that's coming to Concord, playing at Area 23 on October 6th. That band is called Calamity Jane. I know something about it, and uh, my next guest and I are going to talk about it in the upcoming segment. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLAM and FM, streaming live over the internet and archived at nhtalkradio.com, where you can binge listen to your heart's content. We're brought to you by The Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at The Birches, call 224-9111. I'm joined today by a great friend and special guest, Mary Fagan, a tremendous singer-songwriter from Bow, New Hampshire, and Austin, Texas. Mary Welcome to Off the Record. Thanks, Paul. So let's talk about Calamity Jane, one of your latest projects, one of mine. It's a, it's a great band. They're, we're going to be playing at uh, uh, Area 23 on October 6th. It's our world debut. I'm part of the band. You're part of the band. we got John Gabay, John Bressler, Ed Raska, um, drums and bass and guitars. And you're playing keys. And you're not fronting the band. What's going on with that? I'm just, uh, don't shoot me. I'm just the piano player. Yeah, just <laughs> shoot the piano player. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's fun. I'm, 
I'm excited to just play piano and sing a song now and then, do a little backup. It's a nice change for me not to not to be leading the band, just to be a side person. Yeah, and I, I confess, I mean, I guess I would say that I'm out front on this one. You uh, are, Paul. I You're am, out front. I'm out front. I've been writing tunes, um, and the, the really fun thing is uh, we get to play a lot of the tunes I've written. Um, which is kind of uh, that's that's kind of fun. We're gonna we're turning them into to rock and roll. It's rock and roll. So <laughs> we're gonna listen to some of some of the music we've been doing. A little bit of recording. We've recorded some demos. These you know these are not like finished album kinds of songs, but they're uh, interesting demos. The first tune that we're gonna listen to is called "Turn This Ship Around," and uh, you know I, in some ways um, you're gonna hear a jangly Rickenbacker twelve string that. Uh, we put on there. It kind of harkens back to message songs. Um, but, you know, now's the time, I think, for some message songs. Uh, this is called Turn This Ship Around. Here we go. <laughs> The skies set ablaze in orange, red, and gold. The temperature's rising and the wind is blowing hot. We gotta turn this ship around before we run aground. We gotta turn this ship around before we run aground. The sea is rising on the island shore The white sand beach washed away some more The fish are swimming deeper to the ocean floor We gotta turn this ship around Before we run aground We gotta turn this ship around Before we run aground no time for singing the same old song No use saying that the science is wrong You can't change the fact, the facts are too strong We gotta turn this ship around Before we run aground We gotta turn this ship around Before we run aground So that was Turn This Ship Around, an original tune. 
um, a lot of jangly Rickenbacker 12 strings and a, and a message. I mean, in, in, in a lot of your other formats, you're not uh, singing message songs, right? Uh, no, no. Some of my originals, a few of my originals are. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times I'm doing some jazz or uh, 70s stuff, Americana. Right. It's all heart. They're all heart songs, but not a necessarily like a political or message song. Yeah, I suppose Turn This Ship Around is kind of a message <laughs> song. Turn This Ship Around Before We Run Aground. But so the next tune we're going to listen to is one that you sing on. Uh, it's called You Never Can Tell. Where'd that tune come from? This is a Chuck Berry tune. Oh, man. You know, mm-hmm. there, there you go. When I heard you sing it, we worked on it, we played it, and I finally said, whose song is this? And you told me Chuck Berry. I said... Wow, that's kind of interesting because we're kind of giving it a country twist. Yeah, and I learned it from Jerry Garcia. Um, Jerry Band did it, and there's a particular version I like that Bruce Hornsby is playing the keyboards along with um, Merle um, on on the organ too. But uh, and so I don't remember that. That must have been that was right after Brent died. So that was like 1990, 91, and um, it's a great version of it. So I. I kind of learned it from that. So for all you deadheads out there, (laughs) this is Calamity Jane uh, with Mary Fagan on vocals and keys. And uh, it's our arrangement of You Never Can Tell by the inimitable Chuck Berry. Show you never can tell. They furnished off an apartment with a two-room robot sale. The cooler air was crammed with TV dinners and a ginger ale. And when Pierre found work, the little money come and work out well. Say la vie. City old folk goes to show you never can tell. They had a high five phone, oh, and man, did they let it blast. 700 little records, all rock, rhythm, and jazz. And when the lights were low, the rapid tempo of the music fell. The show you never can tell
Sherry Red 53 Wrote it down at Orleans to celebrate their anniversary It was there that Pierre did win the lovely madam was ill Say la vie, say the old folk goes to show you never can tell Well, I guess you never can tell. That that tells <laughs> that tells a kind of fun story, Mesdames and Messieurs. I mean, I mean, where where where'd the French come in? This is this is New Orleans. This is a New Orleans feel. So, New Orleans, as we know from our history, was um, part of France, right? It was a absolument. French Quarter. Now we can talk right? now. Yeah, you get down a Frenchman Street yeah. and. Um, Cajun, that's a Cajun, Cajun music. Yeah, yeah, it's a one New Orleans. What a wonderful melting pot! It's a, it's got a very European feel. Um, obviously, a, a wonderful, uh, heavy influence of the African American culture, and 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 a and just a it's it's got a you know different feel from anywhere else in the U.S. A yeah, beautiful mix of cultures, and we're rich and poor mixed more than in any any other place, I think, in the States. Well, listen, the next tune uh, that uh, I'm going to play for folks um, is an old blues tune. Uh, it's attributed to Sleepy John Estes, though I, I, I'm pretty sure Sleepy John Estes took it from somewhere else, which came from somewhere else. And I mean, that's just the way it works with old blues tunes. And, and it's a tune that's been done by a lot of people. I think Johnny Winter covered it. And uh, John Bressler, who uh, lives locally and we've been playing with for a while, does the vocalizing on this, too. And I got to say, I, I said to John, you know, you sound like a, a blind 82-year-old Yiddish blues man on this <laughs> because he growls and snarls. And uh, I get to uh, wang away on uh, some some lead guitar. John plays some, too. Um, and uh, one of the things I like about the mix on this tune is that it's got a really big bottom. I mean, um, the the the, the mm-hmm. rhythm section on is really kicking. Yep, yep, nice low end. Make your make you want to boogie. That's the idea. <laughs> so here's Diving Duck Blues with John Bressler on lead vocals. <laughs>
Well, that's it. I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, there you go. This duck has died is what is what it says on that <laughs> demo. And uh, it's kind of fun. It just gives you an idea of the kind of fun we're having. Uh, this is Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM, streamed live over the Internet, archived at nhtalkradio.com for your binge listening pleasure, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches. Call 224-9111. I'm talking with Mary Fagan about our new outfit, Calamity Jane, an Americana 100% proof rock and roll band, making its world debut at Area 23 on October 6th, where you can romp and stomp and tap and boogie and uh, eat bowls of bacon and drink great beer and have a good time. We'll be right back after this. We're back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM streams live over the Internet. Archived at Concord at uh, nhtalkradio.com for your binge listening pleasure and brought to you by the Birches at Concord. New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour. Celebrate life at the Birches. Call 224-9111. My special guest... My dear friend Mary Fagan is here. We're talking about Calamity Jane, a new 100% proof rock and roll outfit making its world debut at Area 23 on October 6th, featuring yours truly and Mary Fagan on keys and vocals, John Bressler, John Gabay, and Ed Raska. We are going to rock the joint. Uh, we've been listening to some recorded demos that uh, we did in my basement, and uh, we're going to uh, play play a few more. So you, you've done a lot of recording in your time. You've been in major studios in Austin and all over the world. And how's what's it like <laughs> to record in a basement? Uh, the basement studios are great, you know. I, have, um, I, I do want to clarify, I haven't been recording all over the world, but I have been in different... I guess I was in a recording studio in China, so maybe that counts. Yeah, man, that's all um, over the world. And um, the basement studio is great, especially if it's your basement. <laughs> you have time <laughs> to uh, work on it. It yeah. just it takes a lot of time when you're when you want to go back and make something sound. Sound yeah, right. so I mean, the way we did these these demos was kind of interesting. We uh, recorded uh, all everybody live all at once, uh, with some separation between the instruments, so you can then mix them. Uh, and then we uh, have been fooling around with them since we uh, uh, overdubbed a few vocals, we uh, added some guitars, we took away some some instruments. We uh, you did this and that, and uh, put quite a bit of time into making the demos sound sound uh, okay. So the the next tune we're going to listen to is an original I wrote a while ago called I'm Holding Out. And uh, I don't know what to say about the tune other than, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't think it has a political message. I'm holding out for uh, a love that is true. I'm holding out for something better than you. Something better than you. <laughs> so, I, I love mean, this song. <laughs> I know. It's kind of like, it's got kind of a, it's got a hook, you know? It does have a hook. And I have a friend who was singing a song saying, and it was, I'm holding out for someone 
like you. And uh-huh. I said, oh, yeah, I got a song for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding out for someone better than you. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's kind of a universal message if you're looking for love. There you go. Yes, I suppose so. So here's yeah. I'm Holding Out, a new tune, an original by me, your host, Paul Hodes, uh, with my band Calamity Jane. I'm Holding Out. There you have it, a hook-heavy, hook-heavy tune. You cannot come away from that tune without understanding what the hook is. <laughs> I'm holding out, I'm holding out, I'm holding out. 
Um, the tune, I mean, it, it, it kind of rocks right right along. It's not an overly complicated tune. Uh, but so far, folks have been really enjoying it uh, the few times um, we've played it. Um, so we're going we're gonna to head into our, our last tune uh, for the segment. The last tune is um, not by me. Uh, it's by an artist who I admire and respect, a guy named Frank Barter who lives out on the West Coast. He's um, out on Valley Entertainment with an EP called Ready. Uh, this tune is is on that EP. It was one of the uh, tunes. Uh, in fact, it was the title tune of, an, uh, of, a, of a CD he released uh, some years ago that I produced. I kind of fell in love with the tune. And it also is a message tune. It's, um, uh, it's a message tune about the way we'd like America to be, uh, the way we'd like things to feel in our neighborhoods and uh, the way we see America in our head and feel it in our hearts. Uh, But um, it kind of falls short sometimes. It talks about rootlessness. Um, It's a a short song, but uh, there's something uh, for me that really, really speaks to me, and I've always loved the tune. What do you think? Yeah, I, I I like this tune a lot too, and uh, it it's got a great feel. Yeah, so uh, this is a tune called Dreamtown. Uh, the composer is Frank Barter. Uh, you can hear him on Valley Entertainment's uh, stream. Ready? You can uh, go to the Valley Entertainment site, look for Frank Barter, download it, make him a little bit of money. He's on tour now on the West Coast. Uh, I was out there recently and heard him uh, with his new band. Um, he is uh, he's really doing it out there. Um, and it's just fun to be able to play original songs that uh, uh, people haven't heard much and give them some life. So here's Dreamtown by Frank Barter, uh, done by Calamity Jane, and I'm singing it. There's a town in my head where all the people live. Houses that shine, memories turn out fine This place is in reach Where the neighbors keep the peace And all the doors are open to the breeze Oh, how hard it seems to find this place Outside a dream And what a mystery it has become To say where you are from The sun can begin To shine around the bend And pull the shadows away From these dark streets There'll be a place in the end And the dream will be our friend And people will live in pride and integrity Oh, how hard it seems to find this place outside of a dream. And what a mystery it has become to say where you are from.
history it has become To say where you are from There's a town in my head Where all the people live And houses that shine Memories turn out fine Well, that was Dreamtown. There's a town in my head where all the people live. I've been here with Mary Fagan of Calamity Jane. I don't know. Why, why how did we get to Calamity Jane? The name. We got, you guys picked the name. And, and uh, I think... Uh, been watching some Deadwood series and, and had a had a good appreciation for Calamity Jane and I and um I wanna say I'm I'm the only woman in the band, but these guys are um definitely have a good appreciation for for strong women and for sense of fun and a and a little bit of wildness. And I think Calamity Jane sums that up. Plus we're, you just kind of don't know what's going to <laughs> happen when we start playing. So, uh, we're we're a little bit of a calamity. We 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 just want to have a good time, and and sometimes uh, you know, you get a lot of people in a band, and and it's easy for there to be five different directions going on it on at once. And we've gotten so that we're pretty good at following each other around, and. Uh, it might go left. It might go right. We might go backwards. Who knows? Calamity Jane, <laughs> October 6th at Area 23, 8 o'clock. Come on out and uh, have some fun, and hopefully we'll avoid a calamity. This is Paul Hodes, Off the Record, on WKXLAM and FM. Binge listen at nhtalkradio.com. Brought to you by the Birches at Concord. Give them a call at 224 and find out why it's such a special place to be. Uh, if you've got memory loss. Um, we'll be right back to wrap up after this. Mary, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks, Paul. It's always a pleasure to come down and see you. And hang out here on Main Street in Concord at the radio show. <laughs> off the record. We'll be right back. We're back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM, streamed live over the Internet, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour. Celebrate life at the Birches. Call 224-9111. Well, Chris Ryan and I had a good time arguing about gun control and gun safety, but really talking about the New Hampshire primary where a record number of Democrats, far exceeding the number of Republicans, came out. Are we looking at a blue wave in 2018? And then we avoided a calamity, but we talked about Calamity Jane, the new rock and roll outfit that uh, I've put together with Mary Fagan and others, premiering at... Area 23 on October 6th. Come on out for the world debut. We listened to some tunes and had a great time. Thanks to our sponsor, The Birches. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be back next week with more Off the Record with Paul Hurt. I'm holding out for a love that is true. I'm holding out for something better than you. You said you loved me, our love was so fine I gave you my heart and this soul of mine Now, every time that I see you with him Feels 
You said you loved me, our love was so fine. 